0: Hi, Rodney Jane here, from Bob Jane Team Arts. specialist in tyres and wheels for over 50 years. We stock what tradies need. Tyres, wheels or batteries, we've got you covered. Steel or alloy wheels, 15 inch plus. Big brands such as Monster, RO8, CSA, Fuel, PDW and Dynamic, a massive range. Tyres, we love tyres. All-terrain, mud-terrain, 4x4 and SUV tyres. We stock all the top brands such as Bridgestone, Beef, Goodrich, Falcon, Goodyear, Michelin and Yokohama. Make your 4x4, ute or van look awesome. Cracking deals at Bob Jane T-Mart. We won't be beaten on price. We'll look after you.
1: Season C's apply. This is Parked Up Plus, the place of pace for motor racing news thanks to Race Fuels. From supercars to club racing, Race Fuels keeps Australian motorsport moving, supplying premium products when and where racers need it. And fueling the latest news and views is
0: Parked Up Plus. Coming up, the dude calls out supercars on Gen 3 fail and more. Tony talks, Quinn on his recovery and his big plans for QR and Hampton Downs. Oscar nomination, why Piastri's Formula One contract fight is worthy of an award. Plus, DJR Chief's plan to protect racing legends and Supercars' secret wildcard cap. All this and more straight ahead on Parked Up Plus with Mark Fogarty. Hi there, race fans. Supercars is in a must-win race to have Gen 3 ready for the start of next season. Over budget and way over schedule, Gen 3 will test the teams like never before to have new-look Mustangs and all new Camaros ready for the season-opening return of the Newcastle 500 in early March. The delays and cost blowouts are not all bad planning. COVID-19 threw the supply chain into chaos and Like all of us, Supercars has been hit by big post-COVID cost increases. Gen 3 will be ready for Newcastle. Just, well, because there's no turning back from the new cars. After three disrupted years of development at an enormous cost, many, if not most, Supercars insiders question whether Gen 3 is really a step forward. Among the few vocal critics has been straight talking Bathurst 1000 co winner and former V8 team owner Paul Morris. Never one to hold back on his informed opinions, the dude has called out supercars on the failure of Gen 3 to deliver cost savings as promised. So, after all this, will it be worth the long wait? Morris tells Parked Up Plus that supercars is stuck with a Ford. Concept.
2: Oh, I don't there's any alternative at th- at this stage. So, uh, as you as you you mentioned all the problems that it's that, had, but I think it's just left up to the teams to get them built, and I'm I, I, I think it'll be well into the start of next year before you see some of those cars hit the track. So, the proof will be in the pudding, Mark. If if the if the racing's good and puts on a good show, maybe all those dramas will be forgotten, but. Uh, I wouldn't like to be a team owner, owner at the moment.
0: No, indeed. As you say, once they're on the track, a lot of the problems will uh, be forgotten. But as you said, it's up to the teams, and it seems that at this stage, an unfair burden is being put on them to get this thing done.
2: Uh, I think that's pretty pretty fair assumption, or well, that that's how I look at it as well. You now they they got to race cars at the moment. They still got championships to to compete in and for me when you look at that, you know are, are the other are people or the personnel on those teams going to be committed to not having a Christmas so it's a different world we live in now and people don't like to work as hard as they used to so that'll be the interesting one who's who's going to roll up their sleeves and get it done
0: On cost reduction, the dude rates gen three as a big, fail
2: yeah 100 is it hasn't hit that mark so if you look at that car and they haven't really changed anything in that car except gone to a control engine which um you know will save will save some money in that regard but the rest of the car hasn't really haven't really taken anything out of it or standardizes anything that's going to save any money the only thing that you might save some money on you know development of, of new parts where they've locked that, locked that down which would be an uprights or anti-roll bar rockers, the sort of two freedoms that are left in the cars now which the teams continue to exploit so yes and maybe some development costs but um, as far as building a race car there's going to be cheaper capital costs and cheaper to, cheaper to run, you're
0: 100% right it, it's, a, it's a fail on that count for sure What's more Morris declares that the Gen 3 overruns have put him off a return to team ownership.
2: No, I wouldn't. I think there's a good point there. If you look at the landscape of of supercar team owners now, they're all high net worth people, right? Apart from probably Brad. You know, you look, look who owns race teams now. So do they really care? And to me, it looks like they don't. They're, they're happy to have million dollar race cars and pay the bills, and you've got, you you know, got high net worth people that don't really care about, about the cost of it. I, that's what it looks like to me from the outside.
0: Teams are receiving more than $400,000 towards the initial build of each Gen 3 car from Supercars. Now, there have been suggestions the subsidy is a loan, but we're now informed it's a grant per car to help teams get over the financial hump of re-equipping. Back to Paul Morris, and his big passion is driver development. He's mentored Anton Di Pasquale and Brody Kostecki to name just two Supercars rising stars. But he charges that Supercars is neglecting the Super 2 development path with costs set to soar next year with the switch to the current high-maintenance Mustang and ZB Commodore.
2: No, nah, they're doing a very bad job of it, and um, it, it's a bit disappointing. the The effort and the, the the what they put into Super Two is just nowhere where, where it has been in the past, and nowhere where it should be. Um, it's it's super disappointing. Um, you know, you can look at someone like uh, what Neil Crompton's done with the Toyota 86 series, and how they run that, and how they get people involved, and It's you know all the stars that have made it through have come through that. Um, I think you really need to have a real good look at what they've done and then try and copy that model into Super Two. And otherwise, the the good guys aren't going to get through. You know, the the cost of doing Super Two now is is getting pretty prohibitive. Um, So yeah, there's some some work to do there, and it, it should be on their list to fix up. And if they can't fix it up, they
0: should give it to someone else to to do
2: as a a project that needs to be done
0: morris of course is co-host of the popular enforcer and the dude online show where he and russell ingall deliver uncomfortable home truths the dude has a lot more to say about the state of affairs in supercars and you'll hear the whole interview with him on parked up on thursday you will not be disappointed Meanwhile, Gen 3 engines are undergoing 10,000-kilometer durability testing in the USA. The 5.4-litre Ford Coyote and 5.7-litre GM V8s are running on transient dynos, which replicate racing conditions. Ford Performance and GM Performance in Detroit are conducting the tests for supercars. Due to be completed soon, the marathon durability trials will finalise the specifications and parity measures between the new Gen 3 engines. Motor racing patron extraordinaire Tony Quinn is back home, recovering from serious injuries suffered in his huge Carrera Cup shunt in Townsville last month. Quinn owns Queensland Raceway and Aussie racing cars, plus Porsche, Carrera Cup and GT teams and also the Hampton Downs, Taupo and Highlands Park Circuits in New Zealand. The Scottish-born, Gold Coast-based entrepreneur spoke with Parked Up Plus about his recovery and his plans for the future.
3: Um, it's, uh, I beat myself up pretty badly um, in the crash in Townsville, and um, <clears throat> there was a surprising amount of damage done to myself. And obviously the car got written off, needs to be reshelled. But um, in summary, I think I've got eight broken ribs. Three of them are broken in three places. Four fractured vertebrae, a fractured pelvis, a left leg that's broken at the ankle. The ankle's buggered. And my right foot um, was broken too. So I've been in bed mainly, I was in ICU for three nights or four nights, and then in the trauma uh, ward for a couple of weeks, and then I've been at home for the rest. And I'm only just coming good now. Um, It's been a rough journey. I wouldn't wish it on anybody, Um, but the ribs are healing, which makes it easier to, to get about.
0: 65-year-old Quinn is understandably cautious about going racing again.
3: Yeah, I mean, the the best doctors are saying, um, you know, don't expect to sit in a car, you know, in any to go round a circuit this year. That's out. Um, Maybe early next year we can sit back in a car and and have a fang, but um, certainly my racing career has been abolished.
0: Well, I was going to say, you know, after such a serious shunt, really, would you want to go back to racing?
3: Um, no, not right now. No, I don't. Um, and I say to people that I've hung up one boot, um, never say never, uh, but I'm going to New Zealand over the summer with my grandson. He's going to do the Toyota Racing Series, and I would like to do something there, but I can tell you straight, I won't do it if it doesn't feel right. Um, There's no way that I want to have another crash. Um, So I might just be tailing Charlie, going round the back of the field, just taking in the view.
0: While recovering, Quinn is keeping a close eye on his business and racing empire. He wants supercars to return to Queensland Raceway next year, but admits there are hurdles to overcome as Supercars juggles the 2023 calendar.
3: Look, the, the, as you know, the Supercars, are <clears throat> they have their own challenges internally. And I haven't spoken to anybody from there uh, about next year. I do know that Queensland Raceway was always a, a favourite of Supercars because they actually could, it's a bit like Bathurst and Pukekohe. they can actually make money there, so they quite like it. Um, but it's all entangled with government support and stuff like that, that they, they require and demand, if you like. Um, I don't know where that sits with them. Um, but we're certainly there, ready for them to come back if they choose to. I think they've got a lot of options for next year. And you know, they talk about the Singapore Grand Prix and stuff like that. So who knows? Um, who knows? But I certainly haven't fielded any calls uh, from, from any of the guys. So, um, But they're most welcome to come back.
0: TQ also wants supercars at Hampton Downs, asserting that it's the logical replacement for Pukakoi.
3: Yeah, I think you're right, mate. I think it is a logical choice there. Um, they have made noises about uh, Taupo as well. Taupo was a track that was built for international events Um, but I I think again politics will intervene and demand that it's in the Auckland or close to Auckland region um, which obviously makes Hampton Downs the obvious choice and we we shouldn't forget that Hampton Downs was uh, going to happen in uh, whenever it was, 2020 or 21, uh, when the Anzac Day parade thing interfered with Pukekohe, So uh, they'd done a lot of work at Hampton Downs um, to make sure that it could happen. And I think it would be a good thing for, for the event in New Zealand because Hampton Downs is a, is a much more modern track than Pukekohe. And I appreciate that Pukakoi's got the history and everything else, but um, a lot of people thought that Pukakoi was too bumpy and not quite good enough.
0: Fans will be relieved to hear that Tony Quinn has lost none of his enthusiasm, evident in the full interview, which you'll hear on Parked Up on Thursday. More to come after this short break. The Napa Auto Parts Grassroots Racing Podcast It's all in the name. It's all motorsport focused on those who make significant contributions to the sport we love. Correct. Some people might only see a
1: dozen motor racing events each year, but the truth is that our sport never stops. Almost every weekend, there's a car race going on somewhere. And Gaz, you're at most
0: of them. Ah, uh, yes, and if I'm not there, you certainly are. And you'll hear from us on the Napa Auto Parts Grassroots Racing Podcast every fortnight. You're listening to
3: parked Up Plus.
0: Welcome back. Last week, we heard from DJR boss Ryan Story about the benefits of the Ralph family's passive takeover. We revealed that Story and Dick Johnson retained twenty percent ownership and operational control. Despite widespread rumours of the team being in deep debt, Story maintains DJR is financially strong.
4: Well, the team is the team and the business is profitable. And has been for a number of years, and uh, and has been for a number of years since uh, since since we've been uh, in a position of controlling the organisation, and that's due to what I believe is is good management through not 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 from me, but 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 what I've put in place in the organisation, and what I did when uh, when Pensky left at the end of 2020, and in the lead up to that. Uh, from Bathurst Twenty Twenty, organising what Dick Johnson Racing would look like into the future, we secured a, a significant supporter base and long-term agreements with with our key partners, Shell V Power, of course, Repco, DxC, and uh, and Pertec. A number of key partnerships that we extended into the future to secure the stability of the team and uh, and also. We, we've also invested heavily over the course of the last few years through buying new CNC machines, and uh, it's very rare that, uh, that any request from the staff um, is yeah, uh, is received yes. uh, is uh, returned with a with with the response of no. So it was very key for us when Penske led that we continue to demonstrate to our staff in particular that we're prepared to invest in the team. But, Along the way, we've also built a very healthy business. So, so in in that regard, uh, in that regard, it's it's not that was not one of our considerations as we as we went forward.
0: Story also revealed that he has a plan to protect the legacy of not only Dick Johnson, but other V8 legends of the 1970s, 80s, and even 90s. Uh, the,
4: the Johnson, Dick, and the Johnson family will always be involved in. The, in the team, as long as his name is above the door, and that's and that's part of the agreement, and something that the Ralphs understand completely. His Dick is Dick is an absolute legend of motorsport, and, a, and still a household name throughout the country. His legacy is something that we that we we've, we've sought to protect over the years through trademarks and 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 and, and establishing common law copyright over liveries and things of that nature, and that's something that. Uh, that's something that in time uh, I want to support other people who have really built the sport and made it what it is today. Um, other legends like the Alan Moffat's of this world and, uh, and, and the John French's of this world, the Gibson's of this world. These people who, who have built the sport, Glenn Seaton's another, s- establishing and protecting their name and their brand. And, and following the following the same template that we set up for, for, for Dick and the Johnson family, so so that's something that uh, that's something that I'm looking forward to, and something that I'm uh, something that uh, is a is a priority for me going forward. Simply simply as a as a, uh, as a as a as a motorsport fan, and as someone who who has a has a great knowledge and and, and significant appreciation of the history of the sport.
0: Supercars may have to place a cap on wildcard entries next year. Parked Up Plus has learned that there was more to the Zach Best tyre controversy at Talem Bend than met the eye. We're reliably informed that a team threatened legal action, claiming the team's racing charter, their agreement with new supercars owner Race, limited wildcard entries to one a year at regular events. Now, This is in conflict with the Supercars rules, which allow multiple wildcard starts for Super 2 drivers and teams. It's called a DS2 entry and is in addition to the allowance of celebrity wildcards at marquee events, the Bathurst 1000 and Gold Coast, Adelaide and Newcastle 500s. The legal threat against Best, who scored an upset pole position at the Bend, Went nowhere. But it did highlight the clash on regular event wildcards between the TRC and the standing supercars rules. The Supercars Commission supports multiple wildcards for Super 2 drivers and teams, and it's understood the issue has been referred to the Supercars Board of Directors for a ruling. According to Insiders, it's unlikely to be a sore point next year anyway, as wildcards won't be practical in the first season of Gen 3, when teams will have only enough cars for their primary entries. Supercars will be back in New Zealand next week for their final appearance at Pukekohe Park Raceway. The cars and equipment will be flown across the Tasman this weekend with one flight from Brisbane and the other from Melbourne. The air freight bill for two Boeing 747s to Auckland and back is $2 million, about double the previous cost due to rampant rises since 2019. The increase is being somewhat subsidised by Auckland tourist authorities to ensure supercars return. As well, the team's extra event payment was cut from $60,000 per car to $40,000 each to help defray the transport costs. Flying the field both ways across the Tasman was required to meet the tight turnarounds between Sandown and the Bathurst 1000 early next month. The futures of Aussies Oscar Piastri and Daniel Ricciardo were the hot topics in the Formula One paddock at the Belgian Grand Prix. Following confirmation that Ricciardo will leave McLaren at the end of this season a year early, Speculation was rife about where he will go. Alpine, Haas, Williams or nowhere. They seem to be his options. He's due to be replaced by Piastri, whose entanglement between Alpine and McLaren is to go before the FIA's contract recognition board on Monday night Australian time. The CRB will decide which of them has a claim to Piastri. Never has Formula One seen such a fight over an unproven talent. Let's hope he's worth the fight, which just underlines the absolutely ruthless nature of Formula One. If nothing else, Oscar deserves an award. See what I did there? For a command performance in Brinkmanship. Hopefully, both Piastri and Ricardo will be on the grid for next year's Melbourne Grand Prix which would be the first time two Aussies have been in Formula One together since our Dan and Mark Webber in 2013. Webber, of course, is central to this whole controversy as Piastri's hard-nosed manager. Formula One, and more Piastri-Ricardo conjecture undoubtedly, continues at the Dutch Grand Prix at Zandvoort this weekend. More after this important message. Race Fuels is Australia's leading supplier of racing fuel to national and state level motorsport, and its range of racing fuels includes the BP Supercars E85, which is available to grassroots races. For power and protection over pump fuel, Race Fuels imports the Elf Race 102, as used by Porsche Carrera Cup and the Touring Car Masters. More info on Race Fuels E85 and Elf Race 102 is available at Race Fuels. Com.au. You're listening to Parked Up Plus. And we're on the home straight. In other news, Michael Massey's future is about to become clearer. He's on course to become the independent chairman of the Supercars Commission and also join the South Australian Motorsport Board, revived to run the reinstated Adelaide 500. Now, Massey hasn't been idle since his return to Australia, in the wake of his fallout with the FIA. It's understood he's been drafting the Gen 3 rulebook for supercars. Nothing new there. He worked with former boss Kelvin O'Reilly, now head of Karting Australia, with a revamp of the supercar's sporting rules five years ago. Formula One has resumed from its northern summer break, returning at the classic spa Francochamp circuit. There was plenty of noise at the Belgian Grand Prix in, well, an otherwise quiet weekend in racing. Here's Grant Rowley with his roundup of what happened here and overseas, presented by our partner, Bob Jane Timo. Timo.
1: The motorsport world was focused on the return of the Formula One World Championship after its summer break at the famous Spa Circuit reigning champion max verstappen blitzed his way through the field coming from 14th on the grid following a power unit change penalty to win from teammate sergio perez and ferrari pole setter carlos Sainz. a controversial clash involving fernando alonso on the opening lap forced lewis hamilton into an early retirement australian daniel ricardo was 15th in the support events there was more success for australian jack Doohan as he won the fia formula 2 feature race and came second in the sprint race to sit now fourth in the standings. New Zealander Liam Lawson won the sprint event. Daytona hosted the final round of the NASCAR Cup Series before the playoffs, with Austin Dillon leading home title Redrick and Austin Cedric. In international TCR news, the newly homologated Toyota Corolla GRS TCR debuted in Argentina, where it retired following a promising appearance, qualifying fifth, and running within the top 10 before a technical problem hampered its debut, And on the local scene, third-generation races were the stars of the Australian Formula Ford Series at Morgan Park in Queensland. Cameron McLeod, son of Ryan and grandson to former Bathurst winner Peter McLeod, took the overall win. Second outright was Ryder Quinn, son of Clark and grandson to Tony Quinn, who you heard from earlier in this episode. Jimmy Fisick continues to lead the title from Valentino Astuti and McLeod. That's the news from Home and Abroad. I'm Grant Rowley reporting for Parked Up Plus.
0: Finally, over on his Parked Up podcast, Grant's been talking with Bob Jane T-Mart's boss, Rodney Jane, about the national tyre retailers' motor racing roots. Rodney is the eldest son of the late legend Bob Jane. And here's a snippet from the next instalment on Thursday what Bob did, you know, he was a pioneer in so many areas, you know, motorsport, you know, especially like, you know, he raced, he ended up buying Adelaide raceway off Keith Williams, he ended up buying Calder off, I think it was the Pasco family, I think there was five shareholders and he slowly bought into it and bought it off them and, you know, that, that passion for motorsport, you know, he, he loved his cars, he would put, you know, young guys in cars and You know, watched him come through the ranks and, you know, he raced with many people and he had many people race our cars and you know, a lot of those guys came on to be, you know, very famous Australian racing car drivers. They won many championships in our cars and you know, when they went on after us. Rodney Jane has made his comeback to racing in Porsche Carrera Cup this season, running competitively in the amateur class after several years away. He heads the Bob Jane Corporation which also owns the almost-dormant Calder Park and Adelaide International Raceways. Bob Jane T-Mutz has been a major sponsor of racing at multiple levels for 50 years. Well, that's it for now. Back this time next week with the latest news and views on what's happening in motorsport. In the meantime, tune in to Parked Up with Grant Rowley on Thursday. Featuring the full interviews with Paul Morris and Tony Quinn and a deep dive into what's happening at GRM. I'm Mark Fogarty. Thanks for listening.
2: You've just listened to another Network R production.